Yo, 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 good evening and happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome to episode 131 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your humble host, Gabe, and thank you again for listening. Week one of the NFL season is now in the books. I'll do a recap on week one and all the games that I talked about on Friday. And I'll also give you my takeaways from week one in the NFL, along with a preview of Thursday night football's game between the LA Chargers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Then I'll do a recap of week two in college football, along with my takeaways from week two in college football, coming up on the other side. Stay tuned. All right, now without further ado, let's get right into episode 131. Well, you know where I'm going to start my opening take, and it's in the NFL. I'm going to start with last night's Monday night game between the Denver Broncos and the Seattle Seahawks, or as I like to call it, the Russell Wilson Bowl. Now, this was a very entertaining game, a lot closer than I thought it would be. But in the end, the Denver Broncos lost to the Seattle Seahawks 17-16. Now, of course, the story of this game was head coach of the Denver Broncos, Nathaniel Hackett, who basically took the ball out of Russell Wilson's hands on a fourth down and five and decided to kick a 64-yard field goal. The field goal was missed. But if you look at this, this, um, this game, and especially that last part, I mean, that wasn't the only thing that Coach Hackett messed up on. I mean... There was some lousy clock management leading up to that. I mean, you had three timeouts. Russell Wilson's being paid $250 million over five years, including 163, I believe, in guaranteed money. And you're gonna tell me that Russell Wilson's not good enough to pick up fourth down and five? This is the moment he's lived for. And the Seattle Seahawks fans know that when the game's on the line, Russell Wilson will come through for you most of the time. And of course, speaking of the Seattle Seahawks fans, I just want to say, y'all are wrong for booing Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson gave y'all 10 good years. Only had one losing season. He got you a Super Bowl and got you to another one. But of course, you have to blame Pete Carroll for not getting you that second Super Bowl. Another story for another day. But still, yeah, he should have been cheered on at least or given a standing ovation. But back to the game. But this wasn't the only reason that the um, Broncos lost this game. They had two opportunities to take the lead in this game. I mean, they were down at the goal line and the running backs fumbled the ball and the Seahawks recovered. So add it into... The poor clock management down the down down the stretch, and that's why the Broncos lose this game. Now Russell Wilson, for his part, had 340 yards passing, one touchdown. Melvin Gordon had 58 yards rushing. Jerry Judy had 102 yards and one TD. Cortland Sullen had 72 yards. Now on the Seahawks side, Geno Smith. I mean, he looked he look almost like Russell Wilson and Patrick, or Patrick Mahomes. I mean, 
he had 195 yards passing two touchdowns he only had five incompletions I mean I ain't seen Geno Smith this good since West Virginia you know Rashad Penny 60 yards um, rushing and didn't get much out of um, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett only 36 yards for um, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett had 28 yards I mean kudos to both defenses the Seattle Seahawks for making it tough on Russell Wilson and company and the Denver Broncos for shutting out the Seahawks in the second half the Seahawks had no points in the second half so we expect the um, Denver Broncos to bounce back because they're gonna they're gonna have to because they're in a loaded division I mean besides um, the, the Chiefs and the Chargers won today and of course the Raiders lost to the Chargers so so they're gonna I mean it's not over yet but they got some ground to make up for the Seahawks now whether Geno Smith is gonna continue this or not remains to be seen let's just say for next week against my Niners let's hope we can bring him back down to earth we'll talk about that game later this week now let's go back to Sunday. We'll start off with the Panthers versus the Browns. I, I like to call it the Baker Bowl. The Browns were able, was able to pull this game off 26-24 on a game-winning field goal by Cade York from 58 yards. I mean, the Browns took the lead. Baker let them down the field, and they were able to take the lead, but the Brown Jacoby Brissett, was able to move them down the field and get them in range to win the game. Now, the Browns, they actually did this um, running the football. I mean, they were effective. 217 yards as a team. I mean, Nick Chubb led, led the way with 141 yards rushing. Kareem Hunt had 46 yards rushing, one touchdown run and one touchdown reception. And Jacoby Grissett didn't have a great game, but efficient enough. 147 yards and one TD. Baker Mayfield had 235 yards. One TD, one interception. Christian McCaffrey, he only had 33 yards rushing. Now nah, that's not good. Now nah, they they got to do better rushing the ball as a team. Robbie Anderson had 102 yards and one touchdown. So for the Panthers, I, all I can say, as Baker Mayfield said, there's 16 more games to go. Now for the Browns, I mean this gives Browns fans a little bit of sigh of relief. For now, while they're waiting, I think it's another n- nine more games before Deshaun Watson can play. But either way, the Browns start off 1-0. Whether they can continue that remains to be seen. Now let's move on to probably one of the wildest games of the um, week one schedule. And that was the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Bengals. Steelers won this one on a game-winning field goal, 23-20, by Chris Boswell. But the Bengals had a chance to win this game in regulation. I mean, Joe Burrow, who was having an awful game, I mean, led a game-winning drive and threw a touchdown pass to Jamar Chase, his best player. But one of the things I was saying when they tied it up 2020, when I was watching this game, I was like, now they got to make the extra point. And what happened? The extra point got blocked. 
So now they went into overtime where the Steelers squeak one out. Joe Burrow, as I say, he had 338 yards passing, but he had four interceptions to go along with two touchdowns. Jamar Chase had 129 yards and one TD. Joe Mixon, 82 yards rushing and 63 yards passing. Mitchell Trubisky, not a bad game. I mean, one, one touchdown pass, 194 yards. But of course, the story of this game is they did lose TJ Watt with a pectoral injury. But good news for them is he's not out for the season. He's, he's, he's going to get surgery and should have and should be back within six to eight weeks. Now, is there is there a Super Bowl hangover for the Bengals? Well, it's just one game, so we'll see. But the Steelers, I mean, this this keeps Mitchell Trubisky. He keeps his job for a little while longer. As long as they can keep winning and stringing up victories, they can keep Kenny Pickett on the sideline, and he can sit a whole year and learn. So... We'll see if the Steelers can keep this up going forward. Let's move on to the most disappointing for me, and that's my 49ers versus the Bears. Now, the Bears did win this 19-10, but the Niners were leading 10 to nothing throughout most of the game. Now, they dominated this game for the most part, despite the elements. But, unfortunately, having a top five defense means you have to be more disciplined and the Niners did not show that the defense collapsed there were 12 penalties and two of them kept drives alive that allowed the Bears to score because up until those penalties the Bears couldn't even get couldn't even cross the 50 yard line but this is what happens when you leave teams hanging in the football game soon later they start getting confidence and all it takes is one play to change things around. Now, Justin Fields, he had 121 yards, two touchdowns, one pick, and 28 yards rushing. My guy, Trey Lance, he didn't have a great game, but he didn't have a bad game either. He only, he only made one really bad play, and that was the interception. I had 164 yards passing, 54 yards rushing. Debo had 54 yards rushing, only 14 yards receiving. But of course, the story, one of the, th- the things that happened in this game was Elijah Mitchell. I mean, he was running good, and then, of course, he got hurt. And now he's going to be out for like two months. For the Bears, a victory like this gives them confidence, especially going into next week's matchup against the Packers. Now, will, will, will Justin Fields finally change the narrative and, and finally start owning the Packers? Like the like the like Aaron Rodgers owns the Bears. We'll talk about that one next week. For the Niners, all I can say is for Trey Lance, this is this is this part of the growing pains. As a fan, I know there's a lot, everybody. You got a lot of um sports figures killing him in the sports media on TV and talk radio. But I just look at it as this: this was to be expected. I mean, they're probably gonna be. This probably won't be the first game he's not gonna have. A great game and it won't be the last but this is how you grow I mean let's remember he hasn't played much football in the last year plus so this is a year where he plays most of his football and he learns but for the Niners now that um the Seahawks won and they play them next week now they know 
they they have to be they they now are on notice that if they don't go, they don't handle business, they're gonna go zero and two. Hmm. Not doing too well on some on these predictions this week, as the Kansas City Chiefs take on the Arizona Cardinals, and I was skeptical about the um the Chiefs and the new the new set of receivers that they got, but Patrick Mahomes and company proved me wrong. As Patrick Mahomes had 360 yards and five touchdown pa- passes. I mean, Travis Kelsey, the safety blanket, was a given. 121 yards receiving in one touchdown. Juju Smith-Suster, 79 yards. Marquise Valquez scandal in 44 yards. So, the receiving core looked pretty good there. As the Chiefs, I mean, basically demolished the Arizona Cardinals in Arizona, 44-21. This game was no contest. I mean, I quit watching after the third, probably after the like second or third quarter. Or early in the third quarter, I think I quit watching. Kyler Murray had 193 yards and two touchdowns, 29 yards rushing, the leading rusher. And I'm just going to keep beating a dead horse. This is not a good sign when your quarterback is leading the, your team in rushing. And of course, I'll say that for, even for my team, the 49ers with Trey Lance, I do not want him leading the the 49ers and rushing. And this is the same for Kyler Murray. And this is what happens when they lose. It's because he's um, leading the team in rushing. I mean, where was James? James Conner was nowhere to be found in this game. So, they're going to have to clean that up. Because, I mean, they're going to be without DeAndre Hopkins for another five more games. So, they need to do something here. Now, let's move on to the Packers versus the Vikings. Well, I got this one right. Vikings won this one 23-7. No, actually, I didn't talk about this game on my podcast. I did on another person's podcast, but he does it may. Kirk Cousins, they look pretty good um, debut for Coach Kevin O'Connor, formerly the Rams offensive coordinator. And Kirk Cousins looked pretty good. 277 yards, two touchdowns. Devin Cook had 90 yards um, rushing. And Justin Jefferson... I mean, he was balling. I mean, he said he wants to be the best receiver in the NFL. And he got off to a really good start. 184 yards and two touchdowns. Aaron Rodgers had an abysmal game. 195 yards and one interception. Didn't get much from the running game. Aaron Jones and um and Dylan. And of course, the receivers wasn't much help at all. Now for the Vikings... I mean, this is a good start. I mean, not only they're one and zero, they're one and zero in division, so they got a leg up in the division. For the Packers, we all know this, this the, that uh, they're not going away quietly. I mean, Rodgers is going to bring this team back, and what a way for him to um, bounce back because he's going against the team that he owns, and that's the Bears. So we'll see next week if he's able to change the narrative and that he can get his receivers on the same page. Now, another game I did talk about, I did get right, one of the few, and that's the LA, uh, the, the Las Vegas um, Raiders versus the LA Chargers. Chargers won this one, 24-19. Justin Herbert, big game, 279 yards, three touchdowns. But, of course, they didn't get much in the running game, and they're going to have to, they're going to need it this week coming up. And I'll talk more about that later. 
Keenan Allen had 66 yards receiving, but he left the game with a hamstring injury and will not be ready for the Chiefs game on Thursday. The Raiders, Derek Carr, had 295 yards, two touchdowns, but three interceptions. And I think those three interceptions is what cost them the game. I mean, Devontae Adams did his thing, 141 yards, one TD. Darren Waller, 79 yards receiving, you know, 57 yards from Josh Jacobs. Now, for the Raiders, I mean, they had a chance, but Derek Carr threw some costly um, picks, which which gave them which had gave them a chance to possibly even pull this one out. So, you know, this of course this is the second stint for Josh McDaniels. So Josh McDaniels needs to do everything he can to get Carr to cut down on them turnovers, because, like like I said about the um. Denver Broncos, they're in a loaded division. And you got to get, not only you got to get division wins, you also got to get wins against teams that you're supposed to beat. Now for Justin Herbert and the Chargers, of course, this is a good start. Not only for them in the division, but now they have a chance to possibly go 2-0 and 2-0 in the division next week. I mean, this coming Thursday. So... We'll wait. I'll talk about that game, of course, a little bit later. But this could be the start of Justin Herbert for MVP. Now let's go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Dallas Cowboys. This game was pretty abysmal. I mean, the Cowboys look awful. I mean, Tampa Bay didn't look great offensively, but defensively, you saw why they were a top. They are a top five defense. They won this game nineteen to three. I mean, but of course, the story of this game is Dak Prescott. Not only he had a bad game throwing the ball, but he injured his hand, and he'll be out six to eight weeks. He just had surgery. I just hope the way Jerry Jones is talking, like he's gonna be, he's gonna be back a lot sooner. I just hope they don't that Jerry Jones doesn't rush. Dak Prescott back or even the medical staff on the advice of Jerry Jones to rush Dak Prescott back thinking he's going to save the season now Tom Brady had 212 yards passing one touchdown one pick Leonard Fournette looks like he's back in shape I mean 127 yards rushing Mike Evans 71 yards uh, receiving one TD Julio Jones looked like the Julio Jones of five years ago 69 yards receiving Godwin had 35 yards. He left the game with a hamstring injury. Let's hope he's okay. Because, I mean, he tore his ACL last year. And for him to get back and to be injured again would be terrible. Zeke Elliott had 52 yards rushing. CeeDee Lamb only had 29 yards receiving. I mean, they got nothing from the receiver core. So, and of course, Jerry Jones is going to roll with Cooper Rush. Okay, we'll see how let's see how long he um sticks to that conviction. But the Cowboys, they're now 0-1 in the 0-1, and they're in last place in the division. Because everybody in the in the NFC in the NFC East won yesterday, won on Sunday. The Washington Commanders, the Philadelphia Eagles, and the Giants. 
Kudos to the Giants. I mean, they upset the Tennessee Titans 21-20. And what a gutsy call by Coach Brian Dable. By going for going for it, going for it, it on, on a two-point conversion. I mean, that's what you call guts. I mean, you want to talk about morale. I mean, trust me, his team's going to follow him to the end after a play like that. And even saw Saquon Barkley looking like the Saquon Barkley that used to be at Penn State. So hopefully he can bounce back after two years of dealing with numerous injuries, including ACL tear. So I'm going to go ahead and give you my takeaways from week one. Actually, I'm only going to have one takeaway for from week one in the NFL. And that takeaway is this. The Super Bowl is not won in week one. And the reason I'm saying this is because we all know it's easy to play Monday morning quarterback. Especially for, for fans whose teams lost on Sunday and Monday. It's easy to say the sky is falling. You know, we're terrible. We're not going nowhere. But... We've seen this movie many times before if you've been watching NFL as most fans have for years. There are teams out there that start out slow and they get hot and make the playoffs. We have teams that start off hot and then they crumble and don't make the playoffs at all. So if your team won, be happy, smile, you know, cheer. But if your team lost, you're disappointed. I know I am. But just know that it's week one. As Baker Mayfield said accurately, there's 16 more games to go. So that means there's 16 more opportunities for, for, for your team to win games and get into the playoffs and possibly get to the Super Bowl and win it. So, channel to my Aaron Rodgers. Relax. It's not over yet. Now, when you get to week three and four, when you get like a quarter of the way of the season and you haven't won a game yet, then chances of you making the playoffs is probably highly unlikely. I mean, a lot of things will have to go your way for that to occur. But just remember, everyone, the Super Bowl isn't won yet. It's one in February, not in September. Now let's go on to Thursday night football. The first Thursday night football game of the 2000 of the 2022 season. And that will feature the LA Chargers and the Kansas City Chiefs, as I stated before. The LA Chargers have a chance to take over the, to take this division early. I mean, they already scored one division victory. Now they have a chance to score a second one if they can if they can go into Kansas City and beat the Chiefs. Now, of course, for the Chiefs, this gives them a chance to go up 2-0 and get a leg up in the division as well. Now, of course, for the Chargers, there's no Keenan Allen out with a hamstring injury. So it's up for Mike Williams 
who has who didn't do much in that game against the against the Raiders. Gerald Everett, DeAndre Carter needs to step up. The running game needs to be better for Justin Herbert in this game. Austin Ackelar and Sonny Michelle. I'm, I'm looking at you guys. Now for the Chiefs, as I stated, I was wrong. I wasn't sure if this receiving core would do anything, but I know it's just one game, but so far, it looked pretty good. Looks like Patrick Mahomes is going to take them along for the ride. But I believe this game is going to be really close. I think there's going to be a lot of fireworks because you've got two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. This is the first of two games this season. Barring that nobody gets seriously injured. I'm talking like Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. You're going to have two good games. And like I said, the winner of this will have a leg up on the other. And then the team that loses it will need to beat this, this, this same opponent a second time. I'm going to give this, I'm going to go ahead and give round one to the Chiefs. 34 to 30. Now that concludes the NFL segment. Now let's go to college football. Let's start off with Alabama versus Texas. Now this game was a lot better than probably most of us anticipated. No, now nobody can say to me that they thought this game would be close. Because I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell a lie and tell you I thought this game was gonna be close. Because I even predicted a blowout. But Alabama pulled it out 19, I mean 20 to 19 on a game-winning field goal and a, courtesy of a great drive by Bryce Young. One of the things I was saying during this game is Bryce Young needs to show that he is an NFL caliber quarterback. And he showed that by taking his team down the field when they needed it most and getting them in field goal range for the game-winning field goal. But Texas, there was... There were several chances that they missed to win this game. Even though their um, quarterback, Quinn Evers, got knocked out of the game in the first quarter. But they had a veteran in um, Hudson Card, and he came in, had 138 yards passing. And they kept, and, but it's the defense that needs to get all the credit. I'm talking about Texas defense. Alabama scored 10 in the first quarter and didn't score again until the fourth quarter but the offense just couldn't do just didn't do enough I mean they made some plays here and there but didn't score enough points so kudos to the Texas defense for keep for giving them a chance but the offense didn't come through for Alabama I'll just say this yeah, they're number one in one of the polls. Or I think Georgia just jumped up to number one. But they're vulnerable. Now, I don't know if there's any team in their, in, in, in this SEC West that's going to challenge them. But somewhere, somehow, somebody's going to challenge them. Because, it, I mean, the running game is nowhere near what it once was. The receiving core is not what it once was. So if Bryce Young has a bad game, they're going to lose. 
Now, Texas, I mean, they're a young, they're a young team. I mean, like I say, Quinn Evers, you know, he's a freshman quarterback. So, there's a lot. This is a game that I think they can grow from. I mean, nobody's looking for them to do much anything this year. We don't, we don't think. But this is this is this is this is a great way for them to build as a team going forward. Now let's go on to the Tennessee uh, Vols versus the um, Pitt Panthers. Now they won this game. 34 to 27 in overtime. I mean, Hindu Hooker had 325 yards, two touchdowns. And Cedric Tillman had 163 yards and one receiving touchdown, which was a game-winning touchdown in overtime that they needed. Now, Pitt had a chance to tie the game, but was stopped on fourth down. That sealed the win for the Tennessee Volunteers. Now, their quarter, now, Pitt's quarterback, Kendon Slavez, had 195 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Israel Obankakanda, I think I said that right. If I didn't, my apologies. 154 yards rushing and one TD. Now, this is... I'm going I, I, to save what I have to say in my takeaways for the Tennessee. You, you're not... You, you, you wait and see what I have to say about that. Now, let's move on to Kentucky and Florida. Kentucky went into the swamp and upset the Gators 26-16. Will Leves, who is an NFL prospect, had 202 yards, 1 TD, 1 interception. Dane Keyes, the freshman, 83 yards and 1 TD. But the quarterback for Florida, Anthony Richardson, had an abysmal game. He had 143 yards and 2 interceptions. It's like... He couldn't get nothing going. And one of them, of course, was a pick six. So Florida right now, I see them, I see them struggling. I mean, especially when they play the good teams in the SEC. I think they're gonna struggle. I mean, defensively, I mean, they did they did as much as they could, but offensively, they're challenged. And I just don't see them getting any better. I mean, they were they were they were fortunate last week to pull off the upset over Utah, but I don't think Utah could beat anybody in the SEC. So take that with a grain of salt. But Kentucky, I mean, now um, Stoops, their their head coach, is now the winningest coach in Kentucky history, passing Bear Bryant. Now that is an honor. Um, pass the great Bear Bryant and be the all-time winningest coach in Kentucky history. Now, let me give you my takeaways from from week two in college football. Of course, I think the big story is Scott Frost of Nebraska was fired after getting upset against Georgia Southern. Now, think about it. I mean, it's obvious this was buyer's remorse. Because I get it, he had two good seasons at Central Florida, and he got a head coaching job because he used to be the quarterback for um Nebraska back in the 90s. I mean, his record was 16 and 31, and he was 5 and 22 and one score games. 
So what did Nebraska thought they were getting? You figure since this guy used to play for y'all, yeah, I mean, he had one undefeated season at Central Florida, that he was going to turn your program around? Obviously, they didn't have enough patience. They, they, they ran out of patience with their, their alumni coach. Because we all know, like I said before, we all know what gets coaches fired in college football. Boosters and alumni. I think they saw that and said, we're not giving no more money to this. And they fired him. So, speaking of another coach, Jimbo Fisher. I wonder how long Texas is going gonna, is gonna to put up with him before they finally have buyer's remorse. I mean, I think I read an article and I think they were correct on this. He's basically Kevin Sutherland with more money. They have basically identical records after 50 games. I mean, Jim, Jimbo Fisher is 35 and 15 in 50 games. Kevin Sutherland was 34 and 14. But yet, Texas A&M was ready to run Kevin Sutherland out of um, College Station and bring in Jeff, um, Jeff Jimbo Fisher and paid him all that money and look what you got and look what you get. They lost to Appalachian State in College Station on Saturday. Now, you, they brought him in there hoping he could probably challenge Nick Saban in Alabama. Okay, I get it. He beat, Al- he beat Alabama last year. We all know that's not going to happen this year. I mean, Alabama's probably going to give them the business. Maybe. But either way, I want to see how, how much patience the, 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 tex, the Texas booster, Texas A&M boosters and alumni are going to have with Jimbo Fisher, you know, putting out all, I mean, putting out, you know, average teams year in and year out. And my final takeaway from week two in college football, I'm going to ask this question. And it's in the SEC East. Kentucky and Tennessee, they're 2-0 along with Georgia. Is Kentucky and Tennessee ready to challenge Georgia for the SEC crown this year? And this makes you wonder, I mean, Kentucky... I mean, they got good quarter. They got good quarterback play, and they they they, they played they played some pretty good defense in these first two games. Even though one was against a nobody, and then you know they held Florida in check, even though they're um, offensively challenged. But does Kentucky have what it takes to give George to give Georgia a run for its money? And what about Tennessee? Tennessee has an offense that can score some points. And it looked like they're going to score some points. I mean, Josh Heupel has got Hindu Hooker playing excellent quarterback. Now, of course, Georgia, of course, still has a top-ranked defense. So, I need, I'm just asking this question because it's interesting that you have three teams in the SEC East that are 3-0. Georgia... Kentucky and Tennessee. Of course, they all have to play each other this year too. So, I'm like I say, I'm going to be very interested to see what Kentucky and Tennessee does over the next couple of weeks before they have to play 
Georgia, but they got plenty of time. I mean, they got until November, actually. I mean, Georgia plays Tennessee on on November 5th. Of course, that's in Georgia. And they play and they go at Kentucky on on November 19th. So Georgia I mean Tennessee and Kentucky have plenty of time to sh- to um improve their games leading up to a showdown with the with the defending world champion Georgia Bulldogs. And I'm gonna be very interested to see. Because now I'm I'm looking at um Tennessee's schedule. I mean, they got LSU and Alabama the next two. And of course, they have to play Kentucky before they play Georgia. So that's going to be interesting. And as for Kentucky, looking at their schedule, I mean, they got, you know, Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss in a couple of weeks. They, they, and, they did, and then they got Mississippi State and Tennessee. And then they got a couple other games, Missouri and Vanderbilt, before they play Georgia. So it's going to be interesting to see if Tennessee and Kentucky knock who, who knocks the other off prior to playing Georgia. And see who's going to be ready when it's time to have a showdown with the Bulldogs. This will conclude my college football segment. And this will conclude episode 131 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your humble host, Gabe. Thank you again for listening. Thank you again for downloading. I appreciate it. You can go to, you can stream this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and wherever you stream your podcast from. You can follow me on Twitter at ggsports13 and follow my Facebook page at Sports Takes Galore with Gabe. I'd like to thank everyone again for listening. Thank you for downloading. Enjoy Thursday night football, and I will talk to you again on Friday. Bye-bye.